I'm Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thanks for listening. On today's show, I'll speak with animation consultant and Cal State University San Bernardino biology professor, Dr. Stuart Sumida. He's an expert in animal anatomy and paleontology and has worked as a consultant on over 70 animated films, including on Disney's The Lion King, Pixar's Soul, and Oscar-nominated Puss in Boots' The Last Wish. Stuart will share how he became a consultant for some of the most recognizable animated films in history and will talk about some of the projects he's worked on. He'll also share the process of translating the realistic and precise movements and behaviors of animals onto the big screen. Here's my conversation with animation consultant and Cal State University San Bernardino biology professor, Dr. Stuart Samita. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me back. So the last time we chatted, it was to talk about your advisement and consulting on Pixar's Soul, which went on to win the Oscar for Best Animated Film. This year, you're involved in another movie with Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is also up for an Oscar for Best Animated Film. Now, before we talk about some of your animated characters and all that you've consulted on, I want to go back a little bit and talk about your backstory. Growing up in San Fernando and your time at UCLA that would eventually lead you into this film industry. So that's that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that because it's one of those stories where uh, I like to tell my own students one of the most important things you you have to remember is to never put on blinders. Always you know think that there are possibilities, or, or never limit yourself. I was a pre med major in college. My father just assumed that I was going to take over his uh, practice when when uh, I finished medical school. And while I was at UCLA, I found that I really liked the basic sciences. I liked anatomy. I liked biology. I liked comparative animal anatomy. I had a wonderful, wonderful mentor there named Peter Vaughn. Peter has since passed away, and we miss him very much. But at the same time, while I was there, beginning to have this budding interest in anatomy and paleontology and fossils, I also had uh, the good fortune to meet a, a fellow who's now been a, a lifelong friend, a fellow named Charles Solomon. And Charles and I uh, sort of hung out together there. Uh, he was in the animation and art department, and I was in biology. And we loved hanging out together because we needed a break from our respective, you know, uh, immersions in, in each of our fields. And so he and I would talk about the intersection of what we like. So he loved rabbits and I would tell him about the biology of rabbits. And I love cartoons and he would tell me about cartoons. We each graduated. He became a very, very well-known writer and critic. Um, he's uh, written for everything from Rolling Stone to the LA Times. Uh, and I went off to the University of Chicago for a while, but we stayed in contact. We still stayed in contact. And one day while I was in Chicago, he said, you know, all that stuff we used to talk about and all the people we used to hang out with, some of them have jobs now at Disney and, and, and they're sort of at a loss for certain of the characters that they have to work on because everybody does life drawing. Uh, everybody studies certain basic things. But then when you're, you're thrown a curveball for an animal you've never had to deal with before, what do you do? And he actually said to them, well, why don't you talk to a biologist? And they literally said to Charles, well, do you know any? <laughs> he was, actually, yes, I do. And so, and I'll never forget, he called me up. Uh, we used to just email back and forth, but he actually called me up and it was actually snowing outside in Chicago. I'm looking out the window in my little office at the University of Chicago. And he says, 
what would you think about coming to Southern California to give a talk to the folks at Disney? And I'm like, sold. (laughs) (laughs) And I wound up going back there to talk to them about horses and wolves, which to me as a scientist, a biologist, was just about a plant eater versus a meat eater, an herbivore versus a carnivore. It went well. And that turned out to be the wolves and the horse in the film Beauty and the Beast. Philippe. Philippe the horse and the wolves who were are without name, uh, but they were animated by a fellow named Dave Burgess. And uh, Philippe was animated by a fellow named uh, Russ Edmonds. They really liked what he had to say. And both of them went on to the next big film, which is full of animals, which was called Lion King. Oh, and I want to talk about Lion King in in a little bit. All animals. I got to uh, go and help them with that. And that was just about the time that I was uh, uh, hired for the job that I now have at Cal State San Bernardino. And so the timing was great. Uh, I lived at the studio for a while while I was looking for an apartment in Southern California here in the Inland Empire. And that was uh, the genesis of the work we did on Lion King. Well, I want to talk about Lion King, one of my favorite movies. I love Disney movies in general, but, you know, I definitely have a few favorites. Beauty and the Beast and Lion King are up there. You know, as we talk about some of the characters you've had the pleasure to help bring to life, working with animators, share your knowledge of the animal anatomy and how your work with the animator. Let's talk about the movie Puss in Boots in general, The Last Wish. Which character did you help bring to life on the big screen? Puss in Boots was a really fun, fun little project. Now, we did Puss in Boots. uh, We started working on that a number of years ago. In 2019, DreamWorks Animation actually offered to fund a, a sabbatical for me. Lots of academics every five or six years get to go off and take a little bit of time to sort of recharge their batteries. Now, we can't give them a ton of time because we have a job to do. We have our our teaching to do. But DreamWorks was actually very, very thoughtful, helped to fund a little bit of extra time. So instead of having one term off, which at at Cal State San Bernardino at the time was a 10-week quarter, they got me six months. Wow. So I spent six months living at the studio for at least three days a week. And that's when we started working on a variety of films, including Bad Guys, Puss in Boots, uh, the television show Camp Cretaceous, uh, because they were doing that as well. It's a Jurassic Park spinoff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that happened with Puss in Boots is that characters are already well established. Everybody loves Puss because everybody loves Antonio Banderas. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so fun. Uh, and so they asked, well, would you be willing to talk to the, the Puss and Boots crew? I'm like, well, what do you need from me? You, you, you've been working with Puss for, for years. And they said, well, here's the thing. I think the film's been out long enough that, that we're not spoiling anything. In Puss and Boots, The Last Wish, he uses up eight of his nine lives. And so he has to protect himself. He has to hide away with a crazy cat lady. Well, when you're hiding away with a crazy cat lady, you have to be a cat. <laughs> not put some boots. So he had to take his boots off. Mm. That was a big moment in the film, and they never animated Puss without his boots. So we actually spent time talking about instead of a cat walking around like a human being with a sword in his hand and a hat on his head, walking around on all fours like a like quadruple a cat. with real cat feet. Yeah. As opposed to cat feet and boots. And it wasn't anything they didn't understand, but we actually uh, got a little bit of nitty gritty in the details to make it all look just right. And it was really, really fun. We had a bit of a delay across the pandemic, but uh, the film finally got finished and um, it's been doing really well. My guest is animation consultant and Cal State University San Bernardino biology professor Stuart Sumida. 
So another recent film that you've worked on is Disney's Strange World. And on this project, you joined forces with your wife, Elizabeth Rega, who uh, is also a professor of anatomy or anthropology. Tell me about this project. Okay, uh, Elizabeth is a professor of anatomy at Western University of Health Sciences in Pomona. And uh, she's uh, not only an anatomy professor and instructor, but she's also their uh, vice president and in charge of outreach to the uh, community in Pomona and the Inland Empire in general. She runs a, something called a health career ladder for both Native Americans and local kids. It's, she's really, really active, but she like me is interested in anatomy and it's really funny because our kids know that both of us are nerds and they said <laughs> why she they, they look at us like you know the typical kids looking at their parents and our answer to them is like look we had to marry each other because no one else would have had either of us because we're so nerdy well she actually has worked in the film industry uh quite a bit herself i do mostly uh, animals and occasionally people she does mostly people and primates and occasionally animals well, Strange World was a new strange thing, no pun intended. The director <laughs> there, Don Hall, really didn't want us to just come and say, here's how something moves, because it was a strange new world. What we really did was all sorts of crazy brainstorming. And so because she's at a medical school, she literally teaches from the cellular level on up. So we were talking to them about everything from the immune system oh. cells to the blood vessels to to lungs and kidneys and hearts and, and so on and so forth. And, and they and, and again, without trying to give too many spoiler alerts, the strange world is the inside of a giant creature. And so this giant creature had to have a way to breathe. It had to have a way to defend itself and so on. And, and so, of course, these ideas were things that the artists ran with. And we got to give them all sorts of crazy ideas. And we would literally sit with them in what they called the war room and just come up with all sorts of crazy ideas. You know, tons of the ideas just fell to the floor, but some of them were adopted. So, for example, everything has to breathe. And so when you look inside the area, there's you see the, what look like trees actually expanding and contracting. Yeah. Those are actually analogs to the ends of our lungs called alveoli. And then now one of the things that Beth does, among other things as uh, a scientist, is she does a lot of work on animals that are found in caves, fossil animals found in caves. And so when we thought about how this thing should breathe, well, it's going to breathe not like a like us in and out of a mouth, and it's going to be like in you're in caves, mm -hmm. and that was the way in for the characters. The characters came in through what looked like a big cave, but you know what? That's how insects breathe. They breathe through little tubes in their bodies. And oh, by the way, she's worked in caves. It was a stream of consciousness kind of a behavior. And Don Hall and his crew were like, this is great. We have no idea what we're going to do with it, but this is great. And that started before the pandemic as well. So now uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen trailers. And so I didn't know the story behind it. But now that you've described all that, it makes sense. I can see the visual of different things moving this way or things moving this way as the body yeah. would function inside. So, so I get it now. Well, I think it's awesome that you got to work with your wife it on was that really project. Fun. Yeah. I want to move along. I want to ask you about your first real credit with The Lion King. What's the backstory and why was this your, your first real credit? 
Well, uh, the work on Beauty and the Beast was fun, uh, but it was just a day or two. And so I thought it was a one-off at the time. I got to work with some lovely, lovely people. Uh, and I still have some drawings that they did for me on my walls. But then they, then they asked me if we would come back for a film that was all animals. And I think I must have given at least a dozen different presentations on all the different kinds of animals from the wildebeest that were computer generated to the uh, lions that were hand drawn and, and on and on and on. And we did some more of what we did in Beauty and the Beast, where we talked about carnivores versus herbivores and things like that. Again, uh, to return back to the person who got me involved in this, Charles Solomon said to me, well, you should get a film credit. And it never even occurred to me. Uh, and I said, really? And he said, yeah, you should talk to the producer. His name is Don Hahn. Don is a lovely man, and you should talk to him. And Don Hahn is a lovely, lovely human being. And so I very sort of timidly uh, left a phone message um, for him one day because Charles gave me his number. And he called back and says, well, of course. Why wouldn't we? And in fact, in the original version of the film, I am the last, last, very last name in the credits. And it says Animal Anatomy Consultant. And, and you know, uh, I've had credits since then. And, and you, got, you have to watch for your name after buried in there somewhere, right? But when you're the last, last name, it's easy for everyone to see it. So, of course, my family was thrilled. <laughs> yeah. So I have to tell you about that. I have a son with autism. And when we go to the movies, we have to watch the credits all the way through oh, the very great. end. And I must say, since I met you a few years ago, I've looked in the credits, any project that you're in, to see if I can see your name. Because I'm just so proud to know you and to have you be part of the Inland Empire and your involvement with um, animation and movies and, and just this industry in general. So I am reading those credits. <laughs> well, that's great because I can tell you that you and your son that are like the artists themselves, they stay till the very, very end. And and especially, you know, you, every once in a while you hear, a, a, you know, a little bit of a cheer here, a little bit of clapping there when, when they see their friends. And, yeah, and so of and course. I do the same thing. And even films I'm not involved in, I, I can't, I have to watch all the way to the end now. <laughs> you know, it's deserving, right? You get a credit in there for a reason. You're listening to Lifestyles on KVCR. We need to take a short break, and when we return, I'll continue my conversation with animation consultant and Cal State University San Bernardino biology professor, Dr. Stuart Sumida. I'm Lillian Vasquez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with animation consultant and Cal State University San Bernardino biology professor, Dr. Stuart Samita. As an expert in animal anatomy, he has worked on many films and video games as an animation consultant. So now I want to ask you, for my young colleagues here at KVCR who are gamers, you've consulted for video games as well and even gave a keynote speech at, you were in Norway, but you gave the <laughs> keynote uh, for the conference there, which I watched the entire thing. But tell me, what's wow. the difference or the similarities when you're working on a video game project as opposed to a film animation project? Well, one of the things that's happened with video games, as I'm sure you and your, your colleagues know, is the video game industry has just exploded in recent years. It's enormous. And so what happens now is that video games aren't just 
you know, finding your way through a maze or going shoot 'em up, bang bang at something. Now, video games have a story, and most good video games have a backstory that involves you in the gameplay, and a lot of that story is animated, just like a film. And so these、uh, artists have some of the same interests and same, some of the same goals in many ways that the people who make films do. And and of course, when you have gameplay, those characters have to move in a way that the gamers enjoy.、Right? One of the things that's really great about this is that the characters that we've had have also、uh, diversified. It used to be just a bunch of men with guns. Now we have women. We have. Creatures、uh, and so on, and so now when we work with animation studios, I like to say the five most commonly animated characters are people, cats, dogs, horses, and mice.、In、video games, it's people, people, creatures, creatures, people, and occasionally some animals. Okay, have lots of creatures, but all the creatures are built out of animals that we know、mm-hmm. for the most part, and so we wind up giving them a lot of the same kind of information. But sometimes it's very project specific. I, I would say that probably one of the most exciting projects I got to work on was、uh, a series of, of games called the Horizon games. Horizon Zero Dawn was the first one, and they called me and they said,、uh, "Look, we have all these creatures that are sort of robotic dinosaurs." And I'm like, "How exciting is that?" <laughs> and, so, and and that was done by Guerrilla Games. They're、uh, associated with、uh, Sony and PlayStation. Uh, and and we got to do that in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and、cool. it was super super fun.、Yeah. And in fact,、uh, this coming weekend,、uh, Horizon's new game, Horizon West, is nominated for what we call an Annie Award, the Animation Effects Awards. Good luck、uh, with that. that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a gamer. I don't know games, but I ask that question just because my colleagues, so many, I, I work with so many young colleagues, and they are gamers, so they'll probably know everything you said and agree with and nod their head. So I look forward to hearing what they have to say. Now, this consulting thing that you do on the, it's kind of your side hustle because your day job is. is a biology professor at Cal State University San Bernardino. I want to share that you are a recipient of the Cal State University San Bernardino's Golden Apple Award for excellence. <laughs> In teaching, so congratulations on that. But tell me、Thank、about、you. the faculty ambush and your feelings or emotions when given this award. <laughs> so, what happens when someone wins an award、uh, that's a campus-wide award at Cal State San Bernardino is that this was established、uh, previous president by.、Uh, President Al Carney is is taken up with great、uh, vim and vigor by our current president Tomas Morales, and what they do is they figure out a day that you're teaching, and the president, the provost, and other previous winners essentially crash the party while you're teaching and barge in and do this、uh, announcement in front of your own students, and、That's、this、nice. happens to me on Thursday, <laughs> the twenty third, and I was. Teaching、uh, one of my favorite classes, where I got to teach about the evolution of animals, a paleontology class. Mostly, I teach human anatomy and physiology because that's what a lot of paleontologists do. But suddenly, out of the rain and snow and sleet, because、uh, I don't know if your listeners know, that was a very, very、uh, messy day in terms of weather. This group of drenched, <laughs> wet. Cold people came barging into my room with with flowers and balloons and cameras and so on, and I was caught completely off guard.、Uh, <laughs> I, I've actually been on committees that helped determine winners in the past, and I've been in on some of the ambushes, but I'd never been ambushed myself. 
So I was completely uh, surprised by it. And it was a, it was a lovely, lovely moment, actually. Yeah, I bet, especially in front of your students. And I'm sure your students were excited for you. Um, if you bring as much enthusiasm to the subjects that you teach. Now, I would have never, when I was in college, those weren't my subjects. I was in the communication side. So those wouldn't have been classes that I would have been taking. But I'm sure your students love your enthusiasm that you bring. Oh, that's a really important point. That's a really important point, because one of the problems we have with science is a lot of people doubt it or don't understand it, because a lot of scientists aren't good storytellers. Oh. Now, I like storytelling. It's, that's really important. And so it's my considered opinion that we should be working more with people who are good storytellers so that people understand what we're doing. Ah, got it. I get how science and storytelling could go together, but I wouldn't have thought of that before because when I think science or math, it's not on my brain, either of my brains. So it was harder for me in college and, and it still is storytelling and talking. I do much better in that, in that category. Let me reintroduce my guest, Stuart Sumita. He's a professor of biology with Cal State University, San Bernardino. As an anthropologist, do you still go on digs? Oh, yeah. So the, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, in fact, I was just this past spring, I was elected vice president of the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology, and I'll become the president in two years. Among other things, the field is important to me. And one of the ways we get back to the field is not just looking at the fossils, but finding the fossils for the public, for posterity, and, and so that we can continue to communicate the information that, that we want. I mean, dinosaurs are great. People love it looking at them in the museum. Someone's got to find them. Now, I don't study dinosaurs specifically, but I have a number of colleagues who do, and I've worked with some of them in the field. Uh, some of the folks at Los Angeles County Museum of Natural History, for example. And I've worked in uh, what we call the Four Corners area, you know, um, New Mexico, Utah, uh, Colorado, Arizona, which is a beautiful country beautiful country. And interestingly enough, the animals I study, which are a bit older than dinosaurs, are also found in Central Europe. Because back then, the continents were all stuck together and, and the animals were in all over the place. Right. So I've gotten to find fossils, put them in museums, many of which are on, on exhibit for the public. And so the answer uh, to your question is, yes, we do still go out into the field. I've got uh, lovely colleagues with, with whom I work, uh, currently working with a gentleman at USC. I'm very proud of him. His name is Adam Huttenlocker. Adam was a master's student at Cal State San Bernardino, wound up getting his PhD later, and now he's a faculty member at USC, and now we do field work together. That's, that's so nice. I get to sort of see it come around and go around. Yeah. And we actually work in some of the same places my PhD advisor worked with uh, before he met me. So that's so the circle of life for sure. It is indeed. You're <laughs> spot on. You're spot on. All right. Now I want to ask, with both you and your wife having uh, a love of science and you have your two boys, do you think they're going to follow in your footsteps or do you think that they think it's just cool that dad knows anything <laughs> about the gaming world? That is so funny that you asked that because, you know, our boys have been out with us uh, in, in the field, uh, intense, you know, with us in the field as we go on our digs and, and so on. Uh, my older son is uh, now uh, right here in the Inland Empire. He's at college at UC Riverside. Oh. Interestingly enough, he's a pre-med major. I dropped the pre-med major <laughs> to my, my father's uh, distress. And now my son is actually uh, thinking of going to medical school, and he's doing very well uh, so far. His name is Darwin. What a surprise for two biologists, right? But interestingly enough, the name Darwin is a very popular name in Hawaii. Uh, my family's on my dad's side is from Hawaii. Our younger son is our, a computer nerd. 
So he is very scientifically oriented as well, but in a different way than us. And it's interesting because he actually has facility with some of the tools that my artist colleagues use. He works with them better than I do. So they are scientifically sort of savvy, but they're probably going to follow a slightly different track in science. They do seem to appreciate it. I so, think their friends think we're cooler than they do because they're just sort of jaded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've do. been, oh, it's just mom and dad doing what they <laughs> That's do. That's right. But so they, they'd rather stay in a hotel than a tent. I'm with them, though. I'm with them. Your father, I don't know if he's still with you, will probably be pleased if your son continues all the way through med school, I'm sure. He will. It's my father is still with us. He is 90 years old and he is he is still kicking. He's active as can be. He's a retired pediatrician. He uh, lives in Apple Valley. Oh, Uh, so he's much more local to us, closer to us and his grandchildren. Uh, And my mom is alive as well. She's in her mid 80s. So and they're both very, very proud of their grandchildren and their son, I'm sure. Before I let you go, let me ask about what new projects are on the horizon. What are you involved with? What's coming up? Well, uh, the things that are exciting me currently are the fact that I do get to uh, serve uh, the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology mm-hmm. and uh, and going forward, we're, we're looking to uh, expand our umbrella to uh, make sure that we uh, are very, very sensitive to uh, a variety of groups that have been disenfranchised in the sciences in the past. Uh, this is not new, but we think that we can be leaders in this regard. I'm also keen to see what the film industry and the paleontologists can do together. I mean, everyone loves dinosaurs. Everybody <laughs> loves cartoons. We should be working together, right? And and there are projects that are that are happening. Some of my colleagues are working on on projects that involve media. Uh, and so uh, I think that that's exciting future work. There are a number of films that are also um, in in progress. Uh, we just finished up work on the uh, HBO BBC series. Um, his Dark Materials. I got to work with the artist on that to help build the creatures for um, season three. That is out now. And uh, there are a couple other projects in the works. DreamWorks has some more projects in the works. They're going to have a lot of animals in them. I'm not allowed to tell you what they are yet. Uh, I figured it's that because you knew I was going to ask. You'll, you'll get to revisit some fun, fun characters. Also working with some visual effects uh, groups, including a company in Montreal called Cinecite. Uh, Cinecite is going to be doing uh, some animation as well. So there are still projects in the pipeline. And sometime this spring, we're not exactly sure, uh, we're probably going to have a screening of Strange World in Pomona with director Don Hall for Elizabeth's uh, Health Career Ladder Group. We're going to bring Strange Worlds right back here into the Inland Empire. Okay, Stuart, I wouldn't mind an invitation. I'm just saying. We will make sure that you are there. (laughs) All right. It will be at the Fox Theater in Pomona. Very good. Stuart, thank you so much for your time. It's been fun chatting with you. I love talking about the movies and kind of the backstory. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And thank you for pointing out the importance of our campus in all of this as well. We are very, very proud that Cal State San Bernardino considers this part of its umbrella of influence. To learn more about Dr. Stuart Samita, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. 
follow us at 919 Lifestyles, and search for Lifestyles with Lillian on Instagram. Or go to kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on the social media icons at the top of the page. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Wad, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, Natasha Coles, and executive producer Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. Join me next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now. Yeah, the